This week on Developer Weekly. Being a teacher doesn't mean being an expert. It sometimes just means being able to break things down and come up with a better analogy than you can quicker. This episode is brought to you by me. If you like this show and you want to support it, please visit my courses on Pluralsight and buy my new book, 200 Things Developers Should Know, which is about programming, career, troubleshooting, dealing with managers, health, and much more. You can find my Pluralsight courses and the book over at www.developerweeklypodcast.com about. That is www.developerweeklypodcast.com about. Welcome to another episode of Developer Weekly. This week, I'm talking with Scott Hanselman about learning and teaching. Scott is a web developer who has been blogging at hanselman.com for over a decade. He works in open source on ASP.NET and the Azure Cloud for Microsoft out of his home office in Portland, Oregon. Scott has three podcasts, including the Hansel Minute podcast, is an international speaker, hosts the Azure Friday show, has an incredible YouTube channel, and he's written a number of books and spoken in person to almost a half a million developers worldwide, which is probably more by now. Thanks for being on the show, Scott. Hey, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing all right. Still uh, COVID uh, corona time here. So as we are nearing uh, Christmas time here in the Netherlands as well, we are kind of locking down a bit more because, you know, it's starting to get cold. People are inside, so we have more infections. But uh, compared to other countries, we're doing okay, I think. But still, you know, this time just sucks. Mm-hmm. This year sucks, and I couldn't wait to get it over with. Yeah, well, it was March. Yesterday was March, and today is December. Uh, and <laughs> all all of this just needs to be done as soon as possible. Yeah, and then hopefully uh, yeah, time will return to normal in 2021 and you know we'll all have a vaccine and puppies and rainbows and unicorns who hmm. knows <laughs> let's just make it so i can go out and have dinner and that everyone oh, is healthy cool. and safe and then i can go to the movies and you know the first i think when i'm in a movie then a movie theater uh then i'll feel normal so talk to me in a year <laughs> yeah i hope so all right so you know, today I want to talk to you about uh, learning and teaching because you do so many things. Like I just uh, mentioned when I introduced you, you teach on YouTube, you you talk, you write books, you do lots and lots of stuff. And you know, people know you from the interwebs, basically, mm-hmm. where they see you on Twitter and everything. And most of those things involve some sort of teaching, right? So, how did you first get into teaching? Um, I think that. The teachers that I had when I was younger, my, my I think of my fifth and sixth grade teachers, so that would be age 11 and 12, were th- so enthusiastic, they were so excited about teaching that I you just couldn't help to be excited yourself. And mm-hmm. um, when you have someone who is so enthusiastic about a topic, it's easy to become enthusiastic on your own. Um, so... I think of a teacher as being kind of a professional enthusiast. And if you're, if you like have a topic and you're like, Oh, have you heard Barry? Did you, did you know this thing is so cool? Let me show you. Hang on. Let me, let me share my screen. That's a teacher, right? 
So yeah. a teacher is just someone that does that at, at scale. Okay. And and then uh, you got into it because you also taught at university, right? Well, so I would give talks and like have, I, I did um, not, not user groups, what were they called? Clubs, like school clubs, right? So ah, yeah. it, I, like I learned chess and then I'm like, oh, I should start a chess club at school. So like sixth grade, I started a chess club. Now I'm not a teacher at this point. I'm a 12 year old. But starting a club is a way to share your enthusiasm. And yeah. if you don't have anyone who knows how to play chess, then you have to teach them chess. And the next thing you know, you're a sixth grader teaching other sixth graders chess or whatever club you're in, whatever thing you're excited about. And then you, you keep doing that. And then later on, you discover user groups uh, where we had like, we would sit around and play with a Commodore 64 computer. And that was a kind of teaching as well. And then you go and give a small topic discussion or you talk for 20 minutes on a particular topic um, at a user group. And the next thing you know, you're teaching at a university, you know, course. Teach for yeah. an hour. And then next thing you know, you're teaching for an hour a week. And then the next thing you know, you're teaching three classes a term or something like that. Yeah. And teaching is very cool because like you say, you can uh, uh, share your knowledge, but then uh, at scale, which I think is very valuable and works very well nowadays mm -hmm. with the internet, of course. But let's go back to uh, when you then would uh, present at the user groups and uh, do a talk, let's say. Where did you even uh, like learn how to do that? Learn how to get on stage and actually present something? Because I remember when I started doing it, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just winging it. Was it the same <laughs> for you? Um, when I was 13 or 14, maybe 15, freshman year, uh, freshman year is our first year of high school. So this mm -hmm. is like four years before graduation. Um, we, I did plays and then I would do talent shows and stand up comedy. Um, mm -hmm. so, and then we had an acapella group. So then like singing without uh, a backing band, um, yeah there's not much different from doing a play than there is doing a one man show or one woman show with a uh, PowerPoint behind you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty easy jump. I mean, if, and again, yeah. if you're on stage giving a talk at a conference versus you are putting together hours of content every week, cause you're a teacher, the only difference is the one stage is elevated. I think teachers yeah. basically are putting on a conference every week. Right, yeah, and then that just requires a lot more preparation. Sometimes the teacher knows the topic so much that they could teach 10 weeks on the course. I'm sure you've had teachers that are like invented a thing or they were so good at a thing. You know, like I could probably sit down and do, and you could probably do the same. Like you could do a 40-hour class on Azure with maybe a couple hours prep, right? You could just yeah. say, okay, yeah. if, someone, if someone called you and said, Quick, Barry, do a do a workshop. I need nine to five for five days. You'd be like, ah, oh, give me a half day to prepare. And then you'd be all set. I could do that on .NET, on Azure, or on ASP.NET. So I'm sure that my biology teacher from school could easily do 40 hours of biology, which spread out over a semester or a term can be like nine weeks or whatever. But then other teachers yeah. are learning topics where they're just one chapter ahead of you in the book. Like being yeah. a teacher doesn't mean being an expert. It sometimes just means being able to break things down and come up with a better analogy than you can quicker. 
Yeah. So being expl- doesn't mean you're able. Exp- yeah. So being able to explain, let's say, complex topics uh, in an understandable manner. Yeah. Like honestly, my whole thing is analogies. Like, the, <laughs> if there's one thing I can do well in the last thirty years is, oh, so it's like da 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 da, da. and like oh yeah, <laughs> coming up with analogies at speed is the only skill that I have. Yeah, well, it works well. I hear that a lot uh, on your podcast as well, <laughs> where you then say it back what uh, what the person uh, spoke about. <laughs> Isn't that awful? In a, I've done so many. It's okay. I've done so many episodes. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's like my. That's all I do now is listen to people and go. So what I'm hearing you say, Barry, <laughs> is that the, the Azure is like a raccoon. And you're like, where is he going with this? It makes no sense at all. Yeah, no, but it's uh, it works well, and it helps people also to uh, see the topic from a different angle, which helps them uh, to mm-hmm. learn better. You know, at least mm-hmm. I find that. So that is then part of your teaching style, right? Having uh, analogies. What what other things are part of your teaching style? Because I uh, sometimes see you being very enthusiastic and uh, let's say on on stage, and sometimes mm. I see uh, you. Uh, uh, being a bit more quiet, let's say on YouTube. Mm. I th- well, so there's a couple. Of th- that's a great thing that you've noticed. So there's two things to consider there. There's the medium, and then there's the audience. Mm. You think about uh, an interview with Tom Cruise is different than Tom Cruise on screen is different <laughs> than Tom Cruise jumping out of an airplane, right? I'm not saying I'm Tom Cruise. I'm just pointing out that context and medium yes, are different. You're creating an analogy again, yeah. Uh, see, yeah, funny how I did that. <laughs> so I'm still Scott. Uh, I'm not playing a role. I'm not faking anything. But you know, when the kids are asleep on a on a Friday night, and I'm up at midnight in a dark room, trying to be welcoming to new people in tech, that's not the time to be on. Like you use yeah. you use the word on, where it's like, yeah. hey, welcome everybody. We're going to talk to you about computer stuff they didn't teach you. La la la. You know, like that's not going to make someone welcoming. Yeah, and and that's not the right time. But if you're at a festival, you know, in I don't know, in in Holland, and it's like, yes, it's done at fest, and we're on stage, and everyone's excited, and there's balloons, <laughs> then you then you're on, right? Yeah. So being able to do that though intentionally is very different than just having it happen. Some people just let that happen and they don't know why. Other people intentionally say, all right, what's the medium? What's the goal? Who's the audience? So I think of myself in that context as a, as a character actor. Yeah. I just put on a different pair of pants where that pants are very quiet or they're very loud. Ah, right. And then your, your previous experience obviously helps with that where you also acted on stage. Hmm. That's basically yeah. uh, similar, yeah. Yeah, and again, it's not act. I mean, it, there's acting where you're literally trying to be someone that you're not. But, you know, t- t- talking quietly to your kids and teaching them something is different than leading a birthday party. And, and each of those things has value. But, uh, you know, I've, had, I've been blessed to do things on many different um, mediums, YouTube, on stage, in books, on a podcast. Um, you know, the fact that you can't, see me means that right now I can't really gesticulate with my hands and, and and jump up and down because it's not going to help move the podcast forward. No. no. But I can I can change the way that I 
speak. I can change the meter of my speech. I can try not to say um a lot. I can move around on the microphone to try to you know affect this medium if it m helps move the, the message forward. So being a teacher is uh, being a teacher in context. Right, yeah. And by the way, I can just hear your hands moving almost. So, you know, I, I can feel in it. that simulated. You can feel <laughs> the hands moving. It's true. Yeah. So when you're then on stage, you're you're there to deliver a message, basically, right? Let's say you're you're doing a keynote or something, which is like an hour-long uh, presentation of something. You're trying to convey a couple of points. How do mm -hmm. you construct a story like that? Well, so you said I'm trying to convey a couple of points. I think that's fair. Like that's there's quote unquote messaging that one. That's is my assumption. To. Yeah. But I think I'm actually trying to, conv we call it the CTA or the call to action. Mm. I personally don't think about the message. I think about the feeling. So like I'll, I'll literally sit down with someone before a podcast and I'll say, how do you want people to feel after this? Ah. Should they feel overwhelmed? Like, like let's say we were going to do a podcast on Kubernetes. Yeah. We could decide intentionally and deliberate deliberate practice is so important we could decide intentionally we want this person to feel overwhelmed we're trying to make them afraid of kubernetes that could be a that could be a goal yeah and then we could say well after we've beaten them over the head with kubernetes then we pick them up and we say it's okay i know it's a lot let's make them feel good let's make them feel empowered let's make them feel like hey i i can do this you know maybe it's not as scary as i thought usually I want people to feel empowered. I want uh, very much people to feel I can do this where this is whatever the topic of the podcast is. Yeah. Ah, right. And then I work backwards from that feeling. Like when you have, when you put on a play, what do you want them to feel? Do you want them to feel depressed? Do you want them to think? Do you want them to have, what's the conversation that you want people to have in the car as they leave the play? Now, yeah. when you put on a podcast, we have this thing we call driveway moments. You know, again, this is a bit of an American context, but uh, imagine you're driving to work and then you're driving home. The podcast is so good that you sit in the driveway and you ah, let it finish yeah. before you get out of the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. when you know you're doing a good show. So making as many driveway moments as possible is also a, a goal of a podcast. Yeah. Okay, so you work your way back from the feeling of a session or a talk or whatever uh, thing that mm -hmm. you are creating. Yeah. Okay. So like, here's an example. We're doing a podcast. You invited me on your lovely show, and I thank you for that. What do you want people to feel at the end of this show? Yeah, I want them to feel inspired to go out there and to teach because, you know, at the end we'll have a little CTA, like you say, a call to action where folks, uh, you know, can learn more about teaching and such. And uh, hopefully then they feel inspired to share what they know. That's what I want to awesome. convey. Yeah. Then let's do it. We'll do it together. <laughs> All right. So I think uh, um, your particular style of teaching is very attractive to many people. We've seen that in... Um, how people follow you on Twitter, on YouTube, on all the all the mediums. What do you think makes your particular style so successful? Um, I was watching a show recently, and what was the name of the guy? He was in Spider Man, and he played. Oh shoot, Toby. Something. Might have to, 
No, not Toby McGuire. Hmm. He played uh, the 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 newspaper guy. You may have to to. Uh, I might say uh, Google Bing. Pause. You know, edit edit this for a second. Yeah. Give me one second to look this guy up because it's right. important. J.K. Simmons. Okay. J.K. are his and, and you'll you'll see his face. This is, he's an American actor, but you'll know immediately. Yeah. And you're gonna want you're gonna go. Oh, it's that guy, right? Because he's a character actor. You know, I, there's not a lot of movies where he's like the star, but he's a lot of movies where he made it better. And he plays, and he's been Commissioner Gordon in superhero he's not a superhero but he's always like the super he's there also you know yeah yeah so in batman he was commissioner gordon and in spider-man he was J. jonah jameson and you have to ask yourself like why is this guy successful and i think it's two reasons he's very good at it. he's quietly good at his job and he's been around forever so like longevity you're like oh, oh you're that guy from that thing yeah <laughs> that's me yeah like you know what I mean? Like I'm, I think I'm decent at my job. I don't think I'm like the best, but I'm quietly consistent for 30 years. Right. Yeah. You've always showed up on your blog and on your podcast, for instance, every week. I, I like that you said, I like that you said that showing up, whether it be for community, like tonight I have a user group for my local Portland area user mm -hmm. group uh, for .NET in this case, um, simply being present for a long period of time is the way that it's like, oh, you know, how did that person become famous? You know, like where'd Brad Pitt come from? Well, he was always there quietly turning the crank yeah. for many, many years until he just was always there, right? Like Tom Hanks, another example. Like these, yeah, I, know, yeah. I, know, I know I'm using American actors, but it's like we all know consistently him. kicking butt for years is what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yeah. And you're doing a great job at it, but still... You know, there is, uh, I think um, your style is still very good because even if you did show up and you were just very bad at it, then at some oh, no. point, yeah, you know, <laughs> there are people that do that. That wouldn't work and that wouldn't translate in the uh, success that you have with teaching people. So uh, maybe yeah. from my perspective, something that, uh, that you do very well is what I would like to call an infotainment. So listening to you explain something is not only mm. informative but also very entertaining. Sure. Yeah. You use I actually humor. yeah, I've actually said edutaining. Very uh, similar very similar word, right? Because uh, you're basically entertaining and then providing information or educating. So you're you're definitely uh you're as as we say in America, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah. So you you got what I was going for. Um it doesn't have to be boring. And then do you um, uh, incorporate humor uh, on purpose in your talks or do you just come well, with, again, come up with that stuff on depends. the fly it depends like my i wouldn't say my pod my like my youtubes aren't super funny my podcasts aren't funny but if you're you know paying money to sit in a room for a conference somewhere and someone spent the money to fly you somewhere uh yeah i, I think i when i go to a play and i sit down or i go to a stand-up comic and i sit down i want to laugh so yeah. i've always associated the theater with humor so the theater is where my humor comes out the most and i think humor uh makes the education go down better no definitely yeah because then it's a bit more light-hearted and people are more receptive mm -hmm. to uh you know receive what whatever it is that you have to uh, tell them exactly ah, okay so with all that then what do you like best about teaching what is the moment within a session or within anything that you see from the audience or something else or that you get reactions? What is the best 
part of teaching that you love? Mm, I so even if there's a, a hundred people in the room or a thousand, I will uh, start walking around on the stage. I'll look left and right, and I will pick uh, two people, <laughs> one off to each side, one off to the left, one off to the right, and I will focus on those people, and then I will look at them, and I'll, and I'll pick a person who I think is like nodding along or at least appreciating what I'm doing, and if they're nodding, I'm like, oh, that person gets what I'm saying. They're they're also picking up what I'm putting down, so I'm going to look at that person. Now, they don't feel like I'm actually staring at them, but the people to the left will see me and go, oh, he's looking towards the left. He's looking to us. People around them all feel like they're involved, and it's a very engaging way of kind of heart beating back and forth as you look left and you look right. And I pick one person, but then the the entire left side and the entire right side think that I'm looking at them. And, and then when, then I can ignore the other 900 people and then just focus on the two people that, uh, that dig what I'm doing. Right. That makes it also a, a little bit less, uh, maybe overwhelming for yourself. Oh yeah. I don't want to talk to a thousand people. It's way easier to just sit with one or two. Yeah. Like then, uh, then a talk becomes tutoring. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so is that then the best part of teaching that you get to interact with those specific people or with the audience? It's the moment when somebody's like, oh, like you get, you get when they click and you're like, that person just got it. Yeah. That's, you know, like you might talk to them for 10, 15, 20 minutes and you're like, oh man, nobody is getting what I'm saying here. <laughs> but you get that first laugh and yeah. then you get, you know, you get that first moment where it's like, oh, okay, hang on. This, you know, I lost the other 900 people, but these two got it. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm okay. That's that's enough. Yeah, that's. I mean, I want to take everyone with me, but it's yeah. It doesn't always work, and that that's a magical part. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm, definitely. And then, um, have you ever like bombed when uh, folks do uh, stand up comedy? You bomb when oh, yeah. when mm -hmm. the room is just not laughing and maybe even booing at you. Have you ever had that? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's whether you know a joke might not land or. Uh, sometimes a bombing for me will be uh, where something didn't work culturally. Mm. You know, a, a joke or an analogy might not work in Malaysia as it does in Holland, as it does in Russia. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's the thing, uh, you know, back when we traveled and I was putting a huge amount of effort into, you know, keynotes and stuff, I would, uh, and I think you and I may have talked about this in some European country at some point, I will go there a day early and I will find a local and I'll run the whole talk by that local, yeah. including analogies. Like right now, we didn't prep any of this, so I'm using names like Tom Hanks or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would find out who's the Tom Hanks of the Netherlands, right? Or who's the Conan O'Brien of Malaysia? Yeah. And then I would swap out the analogies for local politicians or local comedians. And in doing that... um localize the talk again not not link not linguistically localizing but culturally localizing that's that is a technique that i've been doing now for almost 13 years and it is very very uh helpful people don't even realize that like the difference between a good talk is okay that was a good talk and a talk that has just the right amount of like oh wow you actually 
hung out here in the Dominican Republic for two days and like thought about who we are as a people and inserted memes that were specific to us, like is another way to connect with people. Right. Yeah. Because that's all about being relatable, isn't it? Because when people then get the feeling that you understand who they are, then they can relate to you as well. And you're just one of them. You're also a developer. You understand who they are. So they understand who you are and therefore you can have that magical moment of teaching. Yep. Yep. And I think being being relatable is one way to put it. Another way to think about it, though, is the idea that you're not swooping in from whatever country or place that you're coming from and and declaring, I'm here with the knowledge and I'm bringing the knowledge to you. Like yeah. you're saying yeah. like, hey, I'm just a person and I'm just a, I'm just the one on this side of the stage today, um, you know, it very well could be you tomorrow. You don't ever want to hold court. Yeah. In my opinion, I don't think that's a healthy relationship. Yeah. And that goes back to what you said earlier about being a professionally uh, enthusiastic person instead of, let's say, uh, a teacher that might come across arrogant or condescending. Right. Exactly. Er uh, condescending or gatekeeping or any of those things that make you feel like I'm not supposed to be here. Like the number one thing a teacher or a presenter should do is make you feel like you're supposed to be here. Not, um, you should never feel like you've been othered or made to feel like, oh yeah, why are you here? That, that is <laughs> yeah. the worst. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely the worst. Yeah. And those yeah, are also totally the talks that then people, once they know that they will obviously uh, avoid uh, that talk and, and, or that presenter or mm -hmm. teacher so yeah you do that very well and then you said also uh, something about uh, learning where you know some teachers are obviously not experts in what they teach per se when i'm creating a plural site course i'm not always an expert in uh, in the topic for instance a couple of uh, months ago i was asked to create a plural site course about quantum computing ultimately it felt true but I was just uh, doing lots and lots of research about it because, you know, I'm not a quantum computing researcher, not by far. Mm -hmm. But I, what I can do is research the topic and then uh, condense all of that information so that I can right. create beautiful slides and then actually convey that and teach that to people. Now, mm -hmm. what yep. is your process for learning new stuff? So... The term I usually use is synthesize, right? Like I may not be an ex an expert in quantum computing, but you know, given a day, I could put on I could put together a fifteen minute, uh, you know, overview for for an audience. Like if mm. if I was a a technical advisor, you know, or Satya or somebody wanted to know something, I could probably go and do enough research, just like an analyst, maybe kind of a a general expert in a space, but not a specialized expert in a space. Um, how you're asking, how do I synthesize that? How do I put that together? Yeah. What's your process for, for learning new things? I actually did a, I actually did a Pluralsight course for free. All of my Pluralsight courses are free. I don't get any money on them. Uh, and you can see it. I think at the website is still up called speakinghacks.com. And in that talk, Rob Connery gives me a topic that I am not familiar with. And I'm like, he watches me in real time learn the topic and then give a talk on the topic. I think the topic was coffee script. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and, and it's kind of hard, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting down and you're trying to figure out, is this thing like anything I've ever seen before? 
How can I, uh, you know, what are the appropriate analogies? How does this thing uh, fit into my existing workflow? Basically, whenever you're saying anything, when you're teaching a topic, after every single sentence, a reasonable reaction from the audience is, so what? Yeah. Think about that. Like, if, if, if you answer, so what, after every single, every single thing you say, then that'll be a good next sentence. So it's like, hey, everyone, it's Azure Berry. I'm going to talk about the cloud. So what? <laughs> well, the cloud is super interesting, right? The cloud is actually someone else's computer. So what? Well, someone else's computer means it's not yours. So what? And then that so what is like moving you forward. Yeah. So so if I can answer so what with any of the you know any of my sentences, then I'm then I'm definitely pushing the 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 ball forward. Yeah. Ah, okay. So that is a great way to then uh, learn and uh, create, let's say, a teaching material or content to teach from something that yeah. you're learning. Because if the audience, like God, of course, that would be a horrible audience, right? If like if the audience was like watching you talk and they were like, Barry, so what? Like that They're would thinking feel it. bad. They might be thinking They're it. Think exactly. They are thinking it. So if just make sure that everything that you answer, every, make sure your next sentence answers the implied, so what? Yeah. All right. That's great. Have you, have you ever heard of uh, have you ever heard of yes and the concept of yes and yeah yeah and obviously you, you did that uh, when you were on stage I guess exactly yeah yes and is a great way to uh, to move the ball forward when doing improvisation yeah so so what move is, is the yes and style of uh, for moving conversation forward when you're doing uh, teaching okay. That's actually a very great uh, Pluralsight course. I've seen that as well. Uh, oh, thanks. And I think, uh, you know, it's a must-see for people that want to teach or want to be on stage. Or It's also just very entertaining to watch. And like you said, it's free, and I'll link to it in the show notes, of course. So as we are coming to the end of this episode, like I said, I want to uh, give the listeners a call to action and a bit of inspiration. Let's say that I'm listening to this podcast and... I'm already presenting sometimes at a user group, or maybe I, I'm thinking about it and I want to get started, but I'm not sure how to get started with actually teaching people, you know, how to how to develop my own style, what to do with that. What would be your top tip for people that are thinking about teaching or starting teaching? What should they do? Hmm. There are Things you can do, like find out where um, uh, there's a thing called Toastmasters, which I think ah, is a yeah. global, yeah. like I want to learn to speak type of a place. Um, the thing that I think the better answer is, is be intentional. Go and search mm. for deliberate practice. People think that the, you know, the Scots and the Berries and the whoever's go out there and they just start talking. And everything works out great. And then if it doesn't work out well for you, then, uh, you know, oh, I must not be have that special something. I don't have that talent. I don't have that whatever. Yeah. Uh, when in fact, there is a, a focused, deliberate, conscious practice for presenting information correctly and appropriately at scale. And you can learn that by just doing it. I think a lot of people just aren't willing to actually do the work like we talk, we had that comment at the very beginning about character actors and how, you know, where did Tom Hanks come from or where did so and so come yeah, from? And it's like, yeah. well, they were they were always working. They were doing what's called grinding, um, meaning they were somewhere 
in some bad movie sucking or whatever, right? <laughs> uh, I was presenting at user groups in like 1994 very badly. You know, I did not, <laughs> I did not do well uh, then, and and that's cool. That's how, where you should start. Do a user group, talk. You know, do a brown, do a brown bag. Present to ten people over Zoom at your office, and then and then literally get their feedback, and then do it again, and then do better, and then do a user group, and then do a code camp, and then do a one in your country, and then do one at a conference. Yeah. So just get started and to learn. Yeah, you gotta be doing it. Yeah. yeah. All right. That is great. And obviously also uh, visit that Pluralsight course and uh, get some speaking hacks there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, talking to me and taking the time to uh, tell me about teaching and learning today. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. All right. This was another episode of Developer Weekly. Tune in next week. Could you please go to ratethispodcast.com slash developerweekly and rate this podcast and leave a review. This helps me to spread the word about the podcast and helps other people to find it. That is ratethispodcast.com slash developerweekly. Thank you so much. <laughs>